Hello, this is The Parent Panel, a weekly podcast for the parents and carers of small children. It's the one time of the week we give the platform to parents. No interruptions from small children. This week, we're talking about throwing cheese at babies, the pressure of work and childcare, emotional labour, and parenting epiphanies. Well, sometimes you catch yourself just being bossed around. You're going, wait, wait a second. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm, I'm an adult. <laughs> Neve one day took her nappy off and just rubbed it on the wall. Oh, wow. I kind of feel like parenting is a good antidote to my anal retentiveness. I think you're still in the trenches with your kids. I like the expression trenches. I sometimes call it the vortex. <laughs> the Parent Panel with Siobhan Hunt. Our two parents today are Annalise Dent, writer and co-host of the Queen Sesh Overshare podcast and mother of two boys who are four and seven. Hello, Annalise. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good, thank you. And we've got Brad Kearns. He's a writer and founder of Dad Mum Life. He is a dad to three boys who are five, three and five months. Welcome. How are you, Brad? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yes. Well, we're glad to have you, but both Annalise and I now feel like lightweights because you have not only do you have three boys, you have three under five. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm part of a partnership oh. that has three boys, so let's, <laughs> let's make no mistake about it as it's we're talking. You. Absolutely. You know? He's starting on the front foot. Did I, you yes, notice that? I am Annalise? noticing. I am yes. noticing this. He's, he's our hashtag good dad. <laughs> oh, I'm on the defence already. I know how this works. <laughs> oh, this is going to be so yeah. much fun. All right, well, let's get stuck into it. Uh, first up today, we're talking about throwing cheese, whether or not it's funny when you throw it at a baby's head. I can't believe they're going to let you be in charge of a child. Didn't your mother ever tell you not to play with your food? Oh, won't you come in? We were just about to have some cheese. Oh, no, not cheese. Sorry, it brings me out in a rash. Can't stun the stuff. Not even Wensley, Dale. I have to admit, before we keep going, I don't even know what Wensley Dale is, apart from the fact it must be a cheese. Uh, but that was, of course, from the creators of Wallace and Gromit. Um, there is a new social media trend doing the rounds for parents. Uh, it's the hashtag cheese challenge, which involves throwing a cheese slice on a baby's face. Apparently, it started as something people do to pets. Then a dad, his name's Charles Amara, Amara did it to his son's face and a craze was born. Now, I've seen examples of this that did make me laugh, I have to admit. And others where I went, oh, that's a bit nasty. Why'd you do that? Annalise, mm. is the cheese challenge cruel or funny? Oh, a bit of both. Because, so I have a really low brow sort of humour. <laughs> like I'm slapstick, dark humour, someone falls over, it's funny. Right. And so when I Fair saw enough. the videos of the cheese landing on the baby's faces, I laughed. <laughs> yes. And I thought that's really funny. And then I thought, how would I feel about throwing a piece of cheese on my child? And I actually said to my four-year-old, I said, oh, do you think it would be funny if mummy threw a piece of cheese on your face to see if it stuck there? And he like, like scrunched up his face and he went, no, I don't want that. And I said to my seven-year-old, I was like, would it be funny if I threw a piece of cheese on your face? And he goes, no, but it'd be funny if you did it to Artie. <laughs> so I, I kind of went, oh, so they're both saying no, they wouldn't want something thrown on their face. So then... I don't know. Like, yes, I find it funny. Would I do it? Probably, but maybe not filming it and publishing it potentially. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I would do it, but yeah. I'd keep it secret. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It would be a secret <laughs> cheese, cheese throwing, just for my own pleasure. Well, we have uh, uh, Brad here who has a five-month-old. 
Yep. Sitting up. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. When Sit- he's supported. Yeah. When yep. he's supported, would you throw cheese? In I mean, I, d- <laughs> I I draw the line at a, a kilo block of tasty in the fridge, but yes. you know, like no, I probably wouldn't. But mm. I laugh like everyone else. I, I if you've ever seen plenty of some videos, you know that. It's funny. Mm, Silly yes. things happen to people, and it's funny. Do you want it to happen to you? No. But I don't. <laughs> I don't think the. I don't, I don't think the. I don't think the babies are growing up saying, "Dad, you know, you traumatized me. You threw cheese on me when I was mm. four months old." Like I don't think that's going to happen. But totally get that. You know, people don't want things on the internet for the world I, to see. Yeah, I mean that that is sort of leads me to another question um, about how you feel about posting funny pics of your kids online, because you know now we there's more sort of talk about their digital footprint. Um, Now, I have said before, I posted a very funny picture, or I thought a very funny video of my eldest doing a poo when she was, (laughs) not the actual poo. Sorry, I should clarify. Just like the the face. face. The poo face. face. It's funny. It was hilarious. Red and scrunched up. Yeah. I mean, she she was probably about... Mm, she was probably about six or seven months at the time, so not little baby. Yeah. But funny enough to me that I just filmed her face and thought it was sort of cute, cute, and I was totally in love with it, and mm. I thought it was funny. And now I feel I deeply regret posting that online. I mean, how do you feel about that kind of stuff, Brad? Because again, you're right there. You've got the material. Yeah, like I, I think we know that those photos are going to come back into light when they're twenty on their twenty first birthday, anyway, right? It's just, it's not going to be a Polaroid. It's, it's already online. So you, I, I guess you're ruining the surprise if you post it there, <laughs> <laughs> you post it there and then and say, hey, look at me growing up. It's, you know, you, you've <laughs> ruined the surprise. Point. Like I, I want them to have yeah. a good 21st. So I, I probably wouldn't. Yeah. Um, conscious also when you're reaching a lot of people, you've, you've got to be careful. What you uh, put out there. Because you don't know how, you actually don't know. Because how many followers does um, Dad Mum Life have? Or have um, I done that the wrong way? Mum, Dad Yeah, life? like I, about 200 and something thousand. Wow. But yeah. Does that ever freak you out? A lot more, uh, a lot less than it does Sarah. Yeah, um, right. You know, she's definitely the one that says, ah, oh, why did you post that? I didn't get to see it or edit it. But Yeah. Um, Is that when it's a photo of her? Or when it's just just her, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Do you want with the kids? <laughs> They're under the walls. No one... <laughs> but um, yeah, 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 totally. Interesting. So you probably would have learned in a, in a quite a different way from other parents because we just, well, I just think, oh, it's only, you know, a few people who are going to see it, my friends, but you have to be conscious straight away hundreds well, of thousands are going to well, see it. In the last few months, it's been really funny. Knox has just started kindergarten and um, you, you've got people coming up to in school saying they know who you are and who your kid is. And that's, you wow. know, that, that changes your perspective yeah. of it. And you go, oh, okay, Knox, I'll be careful what I put up now. <laughs> you know, I'm really sorry, but yeah. you kind of don't, you're not going to realize until you get there. You mm. know, every politician that smoked a joint and took a photo is realizing that. <laughs> later in their careers. but I think the point is that they didn't take photos and we were like, mm, exactly. It all happened. I suppose you couldn't see whether they inhaled or not. Mm. Annalise, how do you feel about it? I, I think we overthink the digital footprint because, you know, if I think about my kids, uh, if there's a photo of one of them and they were like crying or something and they wanted to be prime minister, would that affect their career? No. And I also think as well, the damage that they're going to do is to their own digital footprint because they're going to have social media so much younger than I did. I was in my 20s. So I think that uh, when you don't have a, a frontal lobe, you're going to do more damage to your own <laughs> social media digital footprint than your parents did. But I do consciously think, so I'll be a bit looser on Instagram stories. 
with yep. what I share about my kids because it goes away after 24 hours. Yeah. So I do have some conscious thought, but I absolutely post photos. Uh, the other thing with my writing, I am very aware and it has started to really dawn on me that if I'm talking about my children in articles that are being published, could that somehow be used as bullying material when they're in high school. So it, ah. I, I'm sort of at that point now. Now I'm thinking, <laughs> what, have, what have I written? That, so is, that is my material. Yeah, so that is something mm. that – did you hear about the story a while ago where – Are you going to freak me out with this story? Yes. Do I, oh, damn. Yes, okay, there was a, a, a writer, uh, you know, parenting blogger, and her – I think it maybe it was her eight-year-old that actually realised, like she looked at and found – she, you know, Googled her name and – her mum's articles appeared and she read all this stuff and she said, I don't want you to write about me anymore. And it was this big hoo-ha because mm. the mum said, well, I'm going to keep doing it. It's who I am, but I it's will how let I pay you... the bills. <laughs> yeah, but I'll let you yeah. see the material first and it caused this yeah. big online division. But it does make you think. Because I, I ask my kids now, so I used to post a lot more photos of both my children because they are the best looking children in the world. Absolutely. Sorry. No, you're right. I mean, yours are probably okay, but mm. not as good looking as mine. Uh, anyway, I I used to post a lot of them and then did a lot of stuff about, you know, consent and all that palaver with the digital footprint. And I started asking my daughter, thinking she'd just be all blasé and yeah, mum, sure. She won't let me post anything. Yeah. And not only does she not let me post it, she doesn't let me to send it to anyone. No. Like mm. I'll take a photo and go, can I send that to daddy? No. Can I send that to Nana? No. Can I send that to Auntie Christie? No. And I'm like, oh man, have I let the cat out of the bag on this one? But because of that, and I'm conscious of that, I asked them both. And so now my photos have gone from their faces to shots of their hair and mm. it's quite interesting. I don't know where the line is. But. No. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I cross it. Yeah. Definitely on Insta story. I, I think we're it. not going to know if we've crossed it for another 10 years. Yeah. That's the yeah. thing. Yeah. And then it'll all happen. Yeah. Bounce. Sorry. <laughs> My bad. But everyone's been <laughs> yeah. doing it. That's what I figure. Most people do it. It'll be do you know, fine. Do you know what we can do though? When they come back and complain, we go, well... Our parents didn't put seatbelts on us. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's it's always going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say our parents drank and drove, but I don't think I can say that. No. All right. So let's move on because after this, we're going to talk about childcare and kids. Is it okay to send them in the first two years? Because the last thing I want for you is to take a job right now. Whew, not cut out to be a stay-at-home dad. I've taken a part-time job at a greeting card store. Why don't you stay home from work today and just hang out with me? Looking after your brother is a full-time job. This week, the Fairfax Press published a story about maternity leave. Um, while many workplaces offer six months paid leave, experts in the article were arguing that a year or more would be ideal. Parenting educator Steve Bidolf for years has said, um, particularly with boys, that he used to say that he thought boys shouldn't be in daycare before the age of three. He's revised that now in his latest book. He says, until they're at least two. Um, and the author of Baby Love, Robin Barker, agrees with that. Brad, what do you think about this arg argument that kids are better off at home for the first two years, um, regardless of whether you can actually do it or not? Yeah, well, that, that, that's a big thing, isn't it? It's about means. Um I don't know many people, I personally don't know many people that have said, you know what, I can't wait till this baby's born so I can chuck it in daycare. Like, it's not something I actively hear from people. Um, but, you know what, we've all got bills, we've got mortgages and other things happening. And unfortunately, it's, in some cases, it's what you have to do. And I think we have to listen to, um, you know, these experts 
quotation experts and, and understand the world that they come from. A lot of the time it's white collar. They're in the top of their field. They're earning, you know, more than double average household income and, and they've got different means to the rest of the world. And sometimes they were born into that means as well. Um, so let, let's, let's be conscious that people are going to say stuff. I hate this about parenting. People say stuff and then you go, well, what does that mean for me? And some people will bite to that and they'll say, I'm a single mom. I'm this, I'm that. And don't overlay your own situation because it's just going to cause heartache. You've just got to look at it and go, well, what, what works for us? So we've got three boys. Um, when I first left the army, we didn't have the means, you know, to, to make that happen. So Sarah went back to work full time. Three kids later, Sarah's staying at home and, and, and we will do the two years. So I'm not going to say that our thoughts on what we want are different now than they were then. It's just that our means have definitely changed. Yeah, and circumstances. Absolutely. So take it with a grain of salt and don't don't let it beat you up because otherwise we'd all be drinking eight litres of water, eating three, <laughs> three servings of vegetables and, you know, just, just yeah. kind of do what you can and, and understand that some people have different means than you. God, I love doing this show. I just take the wisdom of others. <laughs> well, there, there's <laughs> not wisdom. My life. Yeah. That's, that's wisdom. Yeah. I because tell, a lot of people yeah. buy, you're right. Like I would read something like that and go, <gasps> I mean, we were, you're, again, we were very lucky. I had my parents look after our children for a very long time. Plus both my husband and I were freelancers. So again, circumstances, we were able to keep them out of care for a lot longer. Whereas other friends both worked full time, had no option. Kids went in from six months that was their situation. Annalise, what do you think about this argument? I I hate that it's an argument and I, I hate mm. articles like this because it creates shame, it creates guilt, and then online it creates that stay-at-home mum versus working mum angry comments and arguments. Like we shouldn't be arguing. We're all trying to do the best that we can. And a, apart from obviously not everyone being able to have the means to stay at home for two years, not everyone wants to. I love working, you know, like, and, and that's me and that's that's what I want to do. Uh, I just think that people, if we look at how we lived in tribes, not everyone sat around with the babies all day. There was stuff to do. Some people were with the kids. Some people were out looking for water. Some people were organising the tribe and collecting berries. I just, I just think that not all women are designed to be at home with babies all day. Mm. That's just so not how we're all built. But and, so, and some people are, and that's beautiful, but we just are also different. It's an individual choice thing. It's interesting how parenting, um, I'm not sure it was like this when our parents were parents, but um, it's just become this thing that everybody has an opinion on and everybody feels a right to say this is how it should be or... It used to be an individual choice, didn't it? Like it, yeah. it used to be just like nobody criticizes what kind of coffee you drink or whether you choose tea or coffee. That's the thing about parenting. Like the, forgive me for saying this, but the barrier to entry is unprotected sex, right? <laughs> the people, you can enter quite easily into the parenting realm. There's no education there requirement. No, there's, there's no barrier. There's no, there's no fiscal responsibility checks. No. So the, nothing happens. So you, you, you're always going to get division. When you, when you talk about any topic, you know, if we were talking about accounting right now, a lot of the people that have a say in the, in the parenting world, they're going to shut up because yeah. they, they don't know anything about it and they know that they don't know anything about it. Ah, uh, yes. It's, no, that's totally how I that, live my life. I do a parenting show because I'm a parent <laughs> and I know it all because I'm a parent. But then 
don't look at my family. <laughs> <laughs> don't look at what my kids eat for lunch. No. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, a really good observation. Okay. Right after this, can emotional labour be shared? Raising children can be a challenging and rewarding experience. Feed Play Love, hosted by me, Siobhan Hunt, is a bite-sized parenting podcast that's here to walk, skip and jump beside you as your children grow. I speak to experts and real parents about everything from finding your mama instinct to starting solids. So join me and we can all thrive and learn together. Feed Play Love, available wherever you get your podcasts. I could help a bit. I could carry it for a while. Poor old Samwise from Lord of the Rings, offering to help Frodo, but being pushed away. No, this is my burden to bear. So the question is... <laughs> Is this playing out in marriages, heterosexual marriages across Australia? This week, writer Angela Mollard wrote about emotional labour in an article for News Limited. She argues that women are to blame for the emotional load that they carry, that we're not inviting men in to share the burden. She says that women have made themselves martyrs, and I quote, she's reflecting on her own life here, Conversations about purpose, responsibility, shared tasks and mutual happiness either didn't happen or were only brought up in times of stress. I also noticed women, myself included, had a problem with control. We thought we did tasks better and so we became domestic gatekeepers, shooing hapless husbands away because they didn't do things how we wanted. Annalise, do you agree with Angela? Are these tasks something that can be shared? I... I can only speak for myself. I can't say what all women are doing. I definitely can see in my friendship groups and with with my own relationship, I yes, the martyr thing is happening. Definitely. Mm. And I mean, you've got to look at workloads as well. So in my relationship, my husband works a lot more. Big hours, he travels internationally. So I'm freelance, I'm literally home more and I have to pick up more of that slack because I have the time and he doesn't. When we both worked full time, because we have done that since having kids, we had Excel spreadsheets. I love it. I love Excel spreadsheets. And that is how, because I couldn't do all that stuff. When I am working full time, you need to step it up. I, you cannot work full time and carry the full brunt of the home. And there it's it's happening everywhere. My Mm. girlfriend's a really high powered lawyer she works four days a week, but obviously lawyers, they're working all the time. She does everything. Mm. But see, this is the thing, and I'm curious to know what you mm. think, Brad. I sometimes think, yes, there are martyrs. And then I think, sorry, there are men that just don't actually think. So, Oh, most when of it- them don't. Sorry, Brad, but I, in my experience. Sorry, are we men. talking, are we? I didn't realise. <laughs> no, most, most of them, like my husband doesn't see the stuff. No. He doesn't think of the stuff. No. He doesn't. He just doesn't. Because that's my thing with the emotional load. This is what I don't understand. People say, oh, you're being a martyr. You're taking it on. I said, but I think sometimes we sleepwalk into it. So um, I manage all the stuff with schools. So mm. if there's a, um, and all the care stuff. So if we're going, if, so, you know, I don't know, if there's holidays or something, I'm working out 
where vacation care is, what my daughter's doing. I'll think about what she might do with her time. So she might actually enjoy her holidays or where my son's going, if daycare's shut, all of those things he doesn't even think about. Like if I didn't do it the day before, he'd be like, so what's happening tomorrow? I'll just drop him off for daycare. And I'd be like, no. (laughs) And I know that we never sat down and talked about that, but I don't know that's me being a martyr. I think there's some social assumption that you will just take care of things. Brad, tell us from the other side what's happening. Yeah, well, there's there's two sides. There is totally the martyr side. And I've, I've been on the other side of that. And that's, you get home after a big day and you try and help and you haven't done it right. So you walk downstairs and you say, well, fine, do it yourself because now you're angry at me and all I was trying to do is help. And I've experienced that. But then there's the other side where if you're not good at making a cup of tea, learn how to make a cup of tea, Yeah, you know, and, yes, and, yes. and, and, and don't just offer the help. You've got, you've got weekends as well to try and get better at things, understand what their expectations are. You know, we still have issues every day. I still don't understand what a tog for a onesie as a unit of measurement (laughs) means. And every single day without fail, I'm going to get the wrong onesie. And I'm trying my best, but it's really hard. And now the the martyr side of her just grabs the onesie herself and calls calls me an idiot. There's definitely two sides. I've got to get better at stuff and and she's got to try and let me take on more. But I think what we need to be conscious of is that – it's got to be an even distribution of workload. And if I've been away for, in our situation, I'm gone 14, 15 hours every single day. Once upon a time I was in the military, so it was probably not so dissimilar. When I come home and I do something, that's, that's disruption to what normally happens. So some of it could be the disruption element. And it's not that they don't want you to help, but there's, there's flow on effects of you potentially getting something wrong. Yeah, so and I, upsetting the kids, right? Totally. When you talk about disruption, if your son's used to mum putting him to bed, I made the wrong lunch the other day. Like I didn't even know that fruit break was a thing. Like, welcome <laughs> to 2019. We had yeah. recess and lunch, right? No, and, sip and crunch. Yeah, fruit so, and so, only. So, so I, I went through the fruit thing just the other day, and it's just you know you've got to. But now I know I've got to get better. Um, yeah, I, I think the the male versus female thing is a bit tough because there's plenty of non-hetero relationships that go through the same thing, or it's on the other foot. Um, sometimes it, it, it's called control, you know, if it's the male being the martyr and not letting the female do anything, you know, you would say, well, he's being overbearing and controlling. So there's a bit of martyr as well. Mm. But it's I interesting think it goes about both the ways. gender thing, isn't it? Because, totally. I, um, yes, I think it's more about the one who is given the kind of title of domestic goddess or god, whatever that might be. And then it's easy to sort of let things slide. I'm so fascinated with the idea of social expectation though, as well, not just, and I don't mean in a really Mm. macro way, like as in men saying, you're the woman, you do this. I mean, women assuming that that's their responsibility. And part of what I think is fascinating is part of me has assumed the responsibility because I think that's what a good wife and mother should do. And part of me has assumed that responsibility because I really care. I'm not saying my husband doesn't care, but I really, if I see my daughter suffering, I want to sort it out. If she doesn't want to do after school care, I want to find another option. And then then I'm like, well, that's just part of being a parent, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I had an interesting upbringing because my my dad was the primary carer and my mum worked full-time plus, 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 plus. So I had an example of a dad carrying the mental load, doing the cooking, doing the dishes, mm. doing the washing. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's just funny that in my relationship, I very much not 
the um, like I'm I'm carrying the mental load, mm. and he's great when he's there. He does dishes. I'm not saying he rolls in and sits down and cracks a beer. He's doing the dishes. He's putting the kids to bed. He's doing the bath. If he's home, he's doing stuff. But he's away a lot. He works a lot. So all of that that mental load, like not the physical dishes side, but what is happening, where, when, who, why, how. That's all on me. Um, but I, I have more time. The other thing mm. someone suggested to me that I thought was really interesting with the mental load was that she um, knew someone or they did it where they just turned around and said, okay, school is your thing. I'll do extracurriculars. Birthday parties are your thing. I'll do family birthdays or something like that. And so it was literally handing over a portfolio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? If, if my workload steps up, that, that is what will have to happen. Yeah. Absolutely. I've got a funny story though. So on the weekend we were exposed to someone with worms. And so <laughs> and did they come up? That's, I got worms. Yeah. Well, no, we just we got a text from another parent saying, I'm so sorry, our kids got worms. Mm. So, you know, you've been exposed around them. So everyone gets wormed. You just worm the whole family. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I got the chocolates, wormed the kids, wormed myself. I had an event that night. So I photographed where the worming tablets were, the chocolate. <laughs> and I said, Here's the medicine. You need to take seven squares when you get home. Like he's a child, right? Yeah. yeah. And then today, I, this morning, we were lying in bed and I was like, Oh, so I think we've got to, we should probably reworm on Monday just in case there's eggs that have not with it there and, you know, it only kills the worms. Worm and he's babies. like, Oh, I forgot to take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's... It doesn't work. I, ca- if one I can't defend that. He's in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Your whole family has to do the worming stuff. <laughs> I, honestly, I just. <laughs> I, you know, I only just did that with my husband, but I gave him the seven, and he looked yeah. at it and he went, "That's a lot." Oh, and yeah. I went, <clears throat> "It's based on size, sweetheart." <laughs> <laughs> yes, how much did you give the kids? Yeah. <laughs> two or four and two. two. And, yeah. yeah. Worm brick. Uh, where do you go from worms? Oh. Okay, I'll tell you where we go from worms. Yes. Parenting epiphanies. Oh. That's where we're going to go right next. Right after this. One night, I had an epiphany, right? Sounds like someone had a breakthrough. That was way easier than I thought it would be. <laughs> High-fiving a million angels. Recently, I had an epiphany. I'm not afraid to share it. Not everyone can be an exceptional parent. We can't all make food from scratch or create amazing creative experiences with craft with our children. Just like we can't all be Lady Gaga, right? She is exceptional. We can't all be perfect parents. And that actually made me feel pretty good, that parenting epiphany. Brad, what has been your parenting epiphany over the last five years? My epiphany is that you can't prepare for every situation that's ever going to happen, right? <laughs> you can try though, You, you can you? absolutely try and God love my wife. She 100% tries. <laughs> but um, I think it, 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 for me and, and my boys, and especially now that we've just gone through the recent thing of let's find a school, let's talk long-term education goals and all the rest of it. And I was like, well, what do I really want from all of this? And, you know, you put everything, I found myself doing punitive research on schools, right? <laughs> How much do they get from the government? What were their scores? Wow, and well, wow, real punitive okay. stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I went, you know what, don't worry about it. And then we, I actually made my decision based on how do they interact with people how can their programs give them confidence and self-esteem and draw their personality out as opposed to funneling them into, oh, you're, you're a kid going to this place. And so my thing at the moment is, you know, I want him to ride motorbikes. I want him to climb a tree. I want to accept those prudent risks that you have to accept as a parent to 
to let them experience things and be able to talk to experience. And no kid's going to fuck with that, right? Mm, no kid's going to mm. come up to the kid who's got so much confidence in themselves and bully them because they yep. will on the spot say, why are you bullying me? Why oh, are you awesome. saying this? And mm. teach, if, if you've got to teach them stuff to deal with the personal safety after that, do it. Like just give them confidence. Don't mm. give them a big head. But in my mind, it's about, well, I'm now in the adult world. And the thing that gets me through is knowing when to brush something off, when to internalize it and, and how to deal with people. And, you know, welcome to the world, right? Yeah. That's what you do. You do it at work. You do it in your your personal social life. You do it with your family and you go, well, I'm confident enough in myself that I'm just going to push on through this. And, and and that's my thing at the moment that yeah. I guess I base a lot of things around. How fabulous. What about mm. you, Annalise? Um, I had an epiphany slash a bit of a breakthrough about communicating with boys who don't communicate. So I've got two boys. One is like me, but with a penis. He's just, he's just like, <laughs> doesn't shut up. And you just know exactly what he's feeling at every second of every day. <laughs> he's a little much, a little, you know, dramatic. But my other one is really um, sensitive. He's quiet and he internalizes. He's an introvert, which mm. is very, it was really difficult for me to relate to that being so the opposite. Uh, so it's, he's my greatest challenge, even though the other one's so high maintenance. And so, you know, what did you do at school today? can't remember and just like he's this is his second year at school and I it took me until the other day where I realized because I've tried the you know people say with boys I'll do stuff okay I try side by side Lego no eye contact how was your day good what'd you do can't remember who'd you play with can't remember and so I found an activity Mm -hmm. that we can do together where for some reason we get on a bike each and we pedal off and it's today I played with so-and-so and then this happened and then I did maths and I really like maths and I was just like, be Working cool, Annie, be cool. <laughs> Don't overdo it. Don't overdo it. And I was like, oh, wow, that sounds really good. Oh, that's nice. Oh, yeah. And asking little questions, not being too much, not overbearing. And it was just that I found an activity where I can get my son to communicate with me. Wow. That's awesome. Mm. I know. Riding a bike. And yeah. it's healthy. Oh, so, yeah. so healthy. Yeah, you're lucky so it's not fitness. eating ice cream. <laughs> As you say, that's, totally. that's how I share. <laughs> yeah. I take my kids for a lemon meringue tart and that's how we communicate. No. But, um, I, I, try, see, I tried the ice cream. Yeah. It's, it's just riding a bike. Yeah. Riding a bike. Yeah. Beautiful. I've learned so much from you guys today. Thank you for coming in. No pressure, but next time you come back, you'll have to deliver the same quality of uh, wisdom and advice and experience. But before I let you go, um, I do like to ask you guys if there's anything you want to point people to. Um, Annalise, what have you got going on at the moment? Anything you want to plug? Uh, well, I've got my podcast one series, The Queen Sesh Overshare. You can find that in iTunes. Otherwise, just look up um, Facebook, Instagram, Annalise Dent. There we go. That's where you can find her. And Brad, what about you? Ooh, I'm, yeah, I'll stick clear of myself and I'll talk about I owe Maggie Dent a favor. So oh, being that Maggie being Dent. that we're talking about professionals and Maggie, don't want to throw you in it, um, <laughs> get on. She's got stuff happening in, in Sydney in May that um, we're going to get down to and try and support for her. But oh, fabulous. Yeah, we, we love those guys. Speaking? I love Maggie. Uh, I, I'm trying to hit her up. Give me a paragraph. Just give me a foot in, Maggie. Just give me a foot in. You know? Oh, look, if you get we'll Maggie's see. support, we love Maggie. Yeah. Okay. No, no, I want to, and that's okay. You can plug more than one thing. Tell us about your website and where people can find um, more from you. Well, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. Don't worry about the website so much. Just go to Dad Mum on Facebook. Just 
dad, mum, hopefully I don't have to spill it for you guys. <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty easy to. Don't do M-O-M. If you're American, we're yeah. in Australia, yeah, yeah. M-U-M. Dad, mum, yeah. Um, yeah, just get on there. There's me and there's my wife as well. So I probably stick towards the more lengthy. I, I just want to sprout wisdom from the treetops, which is pointless. But <laughs> my wife, if you actually care about us and want to follow our story, it's probably my wife that I'd point you in the direction of. So oh, Mrs. Brilliant. Dad, mum. Mrs. Dadmum. Okay, it. brilliant. Well, thank you both for coming in. Thanks for having us. Thank you. I'm Siobhan Hunt. You can find me online at Siobhan Hunt. And that's all for this episode of The Parent Panel. See you next time. You've been listening to The Parent Panel, a babyology podcast hosted and written by Siobhan Hunt, produced and edited by Elise Cooper. For more information on the show, or maybe you want to do a deep dive onto previous episodes, you can find out all you need to know on our website. Head to babyology.com.au slash parent panel. See you next time.